Hey, it's Lisa Cordoff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. I'm not too sure if it was going to happen any other way, Mim, than getting a message from you like, hey, 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 it's me. If you're talking to friends on your podcast, what's up? Let's do this. <laughs> I hope I'm on the list. You aren't actually the only one, um, but you were the first. And that is unsurprising to me. Should have been totally expected. Yes. Yes. So um, I welcome to the podcast. Here you are, as Thank requested you. by you. I'm so excited that I've that I've clearly manifested this. I'm <laughs> going to call it manifestation, <laughs> and not just de- I demand that I'm the next guest on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when are you free? Let's lock this in. Um, free all the time. So just let me know. <laughs> but I feel like I've spent a good chunk of time looking at you, your face via Zoom because you were in the mastermind. And then there's just been this kind of mim gap in my life um, where I just watch you on social media to get a little fix. Um, And I can't remember when we actually, when did we actually first meet? Um, I remember because I've already told you the stalker story. So for anyone listening who's been stalking Lisa from afar, um, keep it up because it does work. (laughs) Again, we'll call it manifestation. (laughs) So creepy. So creepy. You not remember, so I told you, I think it was, I'm trying to think, I think it It was was a pro blogger. I feel like it was a 2016 pro blogger. And um, you were on the stage and you were talking all about your business at the time, Small Steps. And I don't think I'd heard of you before then from memory. I don't think so. But I was so impressed by the way you talked about your business and your success and launching this membership and how like life-changing and family-changing and everything it had been. And I just sat in the audience watching you with such awe, like a need to work with her. She's I want all the things that she's done. Like she's just so inspired and knew from then I think I must have started following you then and then you put out different programs and offers and opportunities to work with you over the years and I was just like nope not that one not that one not that one nope not that one and then the mastermind came up and I was like yes this one yes Yes. I want all the access to Lisa this is the one yes it's quite expensive but it feels really really right (laughs) but it's so funny and it's actually such a good lesson for people who are in business is that um People, a lot of people are following you and looking for an opportunity to work with you or, you know, glean something from you. But it's just, it might just not be the right, yeah, the right offer for them. And it's just, it's such a, and some people just want the VIP. They don't want to be a part of a, a big group. They don't want to be a part of something like that. They want like, no, 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 roll out the red carpet. I'm coming. We're, we're best friends. I'll do that uh, one. Yeah. I'll do that one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, I just think that that's such an interesting thing that, you know, someone can be, can be around you for all that time yeah. and l- like looking for an opportunity to do more, but yeah. it's until it's the right so thing comes true. along, isn't it? It's just so fascinating. True. And mm. we're told, aren't we, that if people haven't bought within a certain time frame, like delete them off your email list. Or, I mean, yeah. there's definitely some truth to those things. But you've said this to me as well in the mastermind, like maybe they're just rain- waiting for the right thing. And when I've said to you, oh, my peeps won't be interested in this particular thing or this offer. And you've always been like, no, actually, do you not remember? that you didn't want any of my stuff before that. <laughs> just offer it just yeah. offer and see what happens yeah, yeah. Totally. Oh, um well I mean we could talk all about that sort of stuff all day mm-hmm. um and people should probably actually know what you do just so yeah. there's some context around around you but really <laughs> this is a this is a chat between friends to check in mm-hmm. and see where you're at at this end of of 2020 
21 what year is it and what anyway. is it <laughs> um, and um and you know when when we sort of when you were messaging me you just had such an interesting point of view on where a lot of people are at without maybe knowing where they're at so I'm really looking forward to this conversation but do you want to just give people a, a little who is mim yes who is mim well I'm I'm the one if you follow Lisa on Instagram who always Anytime she asks a question, the answer is always Outlander. That's me. Yeah, has, <laughs> an out, um, has a very odd and an odd. exceptional Outlander obsession. Yes, it is exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, apart from Outlander, though, which is a big part of my life, I'm a mum of two. I live in Newcastle in New South Wales. I am an online business mentor and I, I sell digital products to people all over the world and coach them and an author, a blogger, a podcaster, all of the things. We've spoken about this before, like all of the things and the least busy person I know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I've been over here in Australia for about 14 years. I love that we're talking today. So whenever this goes out, it's the 11th of the 11th today, which mm. is a, a lovely old number, isn't it? So it is a lovely it? old number. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Remembrance Day, but it's also 1111, <laughs> which is a portal to something manifestation abundance all of the good well but I think that there's an actual special thing opening thing that happens (sighs) on 11 11 (gasps) don't you just don't you follow Elizabeth Peru and just get all the updates I'll add her to my stalker list (laughs) (laughs) I think she still does one-on-one she's you know astrology and all that stuff you know, I like her. Um, so, well, Mim, how are you? I'm actually really good. I'm good. It's been it's been quite the last couple of years. So we haven't had in Newcastle, we haven't had anything like the lockdown that you have had in Melbourne for sure. In fact, I don't even know how long we were in, but I feel like it was about three months, mm-hmm. like two to three months. Still and significant. It's still significant, but we you know, we didn't have anything like the length, what was it, 200 and something days that you had. And obviously being from the UK and having friends and family Mm -hmm. in the UK who've been in lockdown for what must feel like 50 years at this point, Mm -hmm. in and out. And and obviously the, the numbers over there are significantly different. So I've always felt very lucky to have have escaped quite lightly here um but at the same time and I think the reason that we were chatting the other day like I have just found coming out of this second lockdown very different than I expected because the lockdown itself I'll be honest I quite enjoyed feels very strange to say that but I did enjoy I enjoyed I enjoyed having the kids at home I was grateful for the fact that I have a business at home and I could run this around having the family and the changes so I actually liked having my husband at home as well so Mm. that was quite that was quite nice all in all and then sending them back off to school and work again I found I found that so strange and I actually didn't think I would I thought that Mm. that would be a really exciting lay yay like lockdown is finished off they go here's my free time and peace and quiet back but um I'm still adjusting to that I'm not quite sure I don't know if I'm a fan honestly but I just need to caveat that with I'm not wishing for any more lockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. I think it's true. I mean, my it, my kids, I've watched them kind of go through, we can't wait to get back, we can't wait to get back. And then, you know, by the end of last week, they were kind of, which that was a four-day week. So this week, um, so it's the 11th of, so this is their first five days in a, in a row. Yeah back at school and they're like and my middle daughter's sort of "Mm, I kind of miss home learning even although she was desperate to get back because life had a different flow uh they didn't have to be on yesterday I spent the day in a co-working space uh doing brainstorming and Mel from the team who lives here in Melbourne joined me so I was kind of chatting all day and things were on and I was out in the real world and I was exhausted and I keep thinking about the kids and yeah. how, you know, there was so little extra inputs. Like our our brains, all we had to do was just focus on like the world, our world was really small, n- nothing much yeah. changed. And then suddenly there's just all this stimulation yeah. and I'm watching them just kind of think, oh, was it that bad home learning? Like we actually, we had a good, 
it wasn't it wasn't terrible and I think that's what a lot of people who like me who are very privileged in terms of being able to continue earning money yeah uh, and for me I mean I work from home anyway yeah uh not saying it was easy but it wasn't terrible yeah yeah we've got these kind of funny feels like when it was coming to the end I was such a relief yeah it was such a relief but then there's just a different le- there's just different types of things that you have to start that start to come in again and for me I'm like and very the, quickly and the decisions of <laughs> lunch boxes and just little things like that I just find myself feeling quite overwhelmed by yeah you know it was a bit like it was a little bit like when like going into lockdown and into homeschooling you know when you're working in a really busy hectic maybe stressful job and then you leave that job and suddenly your mind is so clear and it's like your to-do list now only has one thing on it or two things it kind of felt like that it just felt like that really lovely slow pace relief I know this won't last because the new Mm. job or the new thing is coming and, and kind of gearing up for that but kind of and then, and then when you start the new job, then you miss the slow pace that you just had mm. you know, and you wish you'd made the most of that break more. It kind of felt a little bit like that to me. And I really like the slow pace. I really enjoyed it. Like you say, just getting up, having very few decisions to make. The kids could stay in their pajamas all day if they wanted to. You know, they, they really just had their little bit of homeschooling. And I know that like we actually didn't have too much homeschooling to do either. My kids are six and eight as well. So mm. it, again, very lucky that it's not like they had exams or anything really stressful to for us to navigate in any way. And other schools were really piling on the home learning. And I think ours did a really good job of finding the the balance. I was happy with it anyway. And it was just this really nice, slow, like surrendering of we'll we'll get to what we get to. And luckily that isn't very much. And just, it was quite a nice, lazy, almost like a holiday feel in many ways. Wow. <laughs> it did not feel like a holiday for me. That <laughs> I'm is for it sure. out to be bliss right now. And I probably should add in that it wasn't. <laughs> but it overall was was a really nice experience. And, and I don't want to repeat it. I don't want to go back into lockdown for any reason. And I don't know whether we will now. I'm not quite sure how they'll deal with things if they're, because the kids are back now. Like, I'm not sure what will happen if there's a COVID case at school. I don't think anyone really knows. Um, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. But it just, you know, it made me realize a lot that I was choosing to make things more frantic than they needed to be back in normal life pre-lockdown mm-hmm. I was you know I was looking at my to-do list and the things that I wanted to do for the business while the kids and the husband was off and thinking you know if they weren't here now I'd be busy filling my time with this and this and this and actually I haven't been doing those things and nothing has gone wrong and there hasn't been any issues so it, I think it's been quite a good lesson overall in for everyone hasn't it in making different choices out of lockdown and really looking at what's important and what can be let go of. Yeah, I think that you need, like, without an extended period, I don't think you get that ability to reflect. Mm. And it's what I've started to think about is going to be our superpower for those who've gone through it. And especially for those of us in Melbourne who really have spent two years trying to deal with this stuff, um, that you can't you you you're not the same after you've been through something like this mm-hmm. it would be crazy to expect that things that that you're not impacted in some way mentally emotionally physically uh financially mm. spiritually and and it's a it's almost like a missed opportunity if you didn't ask yourself some of the bigger questions. But I think that's just a part of the human experience, right? Yeah. Why is this happening? What do I like about it? What don't I like about it? What do I want to change? Like we just we kind of just go there, and the self inquiry gets more interesting the longer you have with yourself. Yeah. If, if you're mentally okay, just as yeah. a caveat, you know, there's a lot of people who that opportunity wasn't available to because their mental health took a very, very steep dive. And and even you know, the, the people, the women who already had 
challenges with that before they even went into lockdown. Oh, I can't even tell you the yeah. level of anxiety that I am talking to. I just literally this morning getting a coffee and was talking to a friend who was talking to another friend. So she's now my friend too. And um, <laughs> she was saying she's literally never had anxiety in her whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and now has it. So much. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, and we spoke about this on socials the other day, like I, as Lisa knows, I had breast cancer six years ago, coming up to my sixth year, all clear, which is exciting. Um, and before that, had never, would have never had said I was an anxious person in any way. Um, not that I was super confident and super extroverted, but, you know, I didn't have, I would never have said I had any kind of mental health challenges at all. But then after cancer, after the diagnosis, which affects everyone in different ways, but many people come out of that with some level of fear and anxiety. And mine, was fine for a long time but after a couple of years just was progressively off the charts and I got very really anxious about that and I think it's going to be the same for many people who've gone through the situation with COVID and lockdown now where it just it kind of creeps up on you and you don't realize how much you have been affected and I think many of us won't realize for another number of months or years and some will never understand how that they have even been affected as well it's just that you'll you know, you'll live in this changed world forever and not even know that you can make different choices because it's so all consuming when you're in a state of your emotions being dictated by your emotions and, you know, and thinking that that's the way life is now and just getting on with things in that way. Yeah. So it really, really just, and I remember this at the start of the very first lockdown, even probably even before the first lockdown last year, I could, I could recognize it coming, you know, having gone through it, I was diagnosed with PTSD, like having gone through that diagnosis myself and being able to look back in hindsight of where I was like entering that phase, I guess I could start to spot the signs with others. And it kind of started as this grieving stage of like this mass grieving, of uh, mass grieving of individuals grieving for themselves and as a collective of life will never ever be the same again and making that mean life will never be as good as it as it used to be Mm. and that just was so like I'm not I'm not gonna let this happen that was what I was telling myself I'm really gonna try to not let this happen to me and I've got no idea how much I've been able to control of those thoughts because all of our individual situations have been so different my Mm. my situation is so different to yours to somebody else in Brisbane to somebody else in the UK to somebody in the US you know it's all so different and our individual circumstances are so different as well so we're all like translating what's happening to us in different ways but I just think the the outcomes of what's happened it's going to take years even if everything stopped now and it went back quote unquote to normal it's going to take years to really come out how we've all been individually affected mentally oh and there the reason why, you know, when we started chatting about this and the PTSD thing is that mm. people are throwing it around as a term here. Like mm. we're all walking around with PTSD. I've been saying how difficult I've found it to make decisions. Like this morning we were talking about how, um, you know, <laughs> my friend had, she went and she said it took me four hours, but I booked all these flights and I booked a summer holiday and we're going to here, and but I've got to get my mum down here then. And she's like, it took all my brain power to, yeah. to be able to do that. And I literally am getting paralyzed in decision making. Like I'm avoiding it. Um, yeah. and I am like it's it's causing me serious stress. Like a friend the other day, she works for David Jones. She's like, I've got a discount code for um, some homeware stuff and I really need to get a new toaster. <laughs> and, and it keeps sort of tripping the, uh, the house, like turns off the electricity. <laughs> and Like I really do need to. But I want this particular one. And, but I had the discount code. It's like an expensive one, but you know, I just think you have these things and you have them on the bench all the time. Might as well get a yeah. good one, you know? <laughs> and I wanted the matching kettle. Obviously. And then I'm, I'm like, but then I'm like, oh, no, this is getting a bit much. Look, just do it because this is like, it was like a 40% discount or something. Just do it. Yeah. And then I went to add it to cut. Great friend said, to have, by the way. Oh, she's, yeah. Yeah, we all need one of those ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we also don't because sometimes you're like, oh, um, like I don't like buying things that I don't need. But yes, anyway, um, went to cart 
and the it said only available for click and collect. And I was like, oh, I don't want to shop. I don't want to go to the shop. And I abandoned cart. It felt too much. I didn't understand. I didn't know what to do from there. I couldn't go back and make another decision about a different colour even of the same one because I was all decisioned out. And um, I recognise that that's not particularly normal. Like I don't find like decision-making about things like that super easy, but it's also not to that degree. So when we throw around things like, you know, we've all got PTSD or we're walking around with, you know, undiagnosed PTSD because of what we've been through. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience of PTSD? And because you said you're like, I didn't know I had it, but when I was told about it, um, it's like, oh, well, that all makes sense then. It did. And and in fact, I'll I'll run through kind of the thoughts and the feelings I had. But even when I was diagnosed with PTSD which didn't come with the you've got PTSD and this is what we're going to give you or do with you to get you out of it like it was almost like a you've you've got it and da-da. <laughs> good luck <laughs> there you go. Like I still had to proactively do things myself to pull myself yeah. I, I got a lot of support but for me it was so when I got the diagnosis of you've got cancer I, it was an instant into grief into grief instantly of the life I will never have and I remember what my very first thoughts were not even oh my god poor me I'm going to die this is terrible of course I thought some of those things but it was very depressing it was like the thoughts of I'll never um, see my kids go to school I'll never be at my daughter's wedding I'll never it was the, the life I will never have and I remember very distinctly they were the thoughts that flashed through my mind and the visuals and the images for a long time so that is how it started for me. And and that really is a lot of the grief that we have now, isn't it? You know, people haven't been able to see their families. Mm. When will we have our next family holiday? Like all of those things, whether you think it's trivial or not, it is none of it is, you know, none of it's trivial when, when it kind of comes through as grief. So it started with that and then going through treatment and getting that out of the way and then being told that, you know, the cancer had gone, treatment has finished, my body started to slowly recover and things went back to normal ish. Um, I just thought I'll, like I said before, I'll never have the life I had before. I wish I'd made the most of the life I had. And I wish I'd just spent a lot of time realizing how damn lucky I was Mm -hmm. because life was so blissful and amazing. And of course it wasn't, but you know, in your head, you think it was. So that was something else that I used to think all the time. And then I resigned myself to, I'm always going to have this life where I'm scared. I'm always going to be thinking, you know, what, what's that lump? What's that bump? What's that feeling? Panic before the scans, scansiety, they call it panic after the scans to get your results. I call it. And I actually, me, me being a proactive person, I thought I'm just going to get on top of these feelings. And the way I'll get on top of them is just accepting them, accept that this is my situation, accept that life won't be as good, but that's okay. I'll live with fear. I can do that. And that was me thinking I'd kind of got over it One. Well done, <laughs> as much team. as I could like, yeah. yes, I'm going to be scared to death all the time, but I'm aware of it. So it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So there was that, but then with the the decision fatigue and it was in a different way, similar, but different in that because I had these overarching thoughts of (laughs) you're going to die, I guess, like it might come back. It's going to come back. It's just a matter of when it will come back that they were the fears that I had about the cancer. And I remember not being able to make a decision about anything. So I couldn't plan for anything to the point where, and I use this example with my, with Miles, my husband, I'd say, there's no point in buying that photo frame for the house that we're decorating because there's no point, like I won't be able to enjoy it or you know, like it was as simple as that. It was the tiniest things. I can't book a family holiday because I don't know what's going to happen. Like we can't, I just mm. couldn't let myself look past the week. And I actually don't now purposefully don't look much past the week ahead of me because that, that's really comforting for different reasons. But it was more those feelings. And then the biggest thing was literally just having the constant thought in my mind all the time of it's going to come back. It's good. Is that cancer? It's going to come back. Cancer, cancer, can- like constantly everything related to that. And um, being in the circle that I was in as well, 
I'd, I'd attracted these friends who had cancer or had gone through treatment because, you know, we all become really good friends. I love mm-hmm. them to, like so much. Like we, we, we all become friends and it's the same thing. And the more, and we're kind of echoing to each other and, and reflecting to each other, the joys and the fears as well. So it's, it's the whole thing Like your world becomes about that one thing. It's almost like an obsession and it's the same thing now. And, and I'm very empathetic. Um, and so I'm living my story and theirs at the same time. It's all compounding on top and becoming this, I wouldn't describe it as hell because my life was still extremely good. And I was very, very grateful that I was getting all of these all clears and feeling great, but it was just this constant battle of my mind of what am I going to think about and cho- and not realizing that I could make a decision to choose differently with mm. those thoughts and I think it's the same now with you know we can turn the news off I don't watch the news I don't think you do either I like I just know. every now and again I'll look at the numbers and I'll make sure that I'm following the law <laughs> with the <laughs> restrictions um but I don't I, cho- I choose to not watch the news and not surround myself with those kinds of things but at the same time every conversation that we're having we're doing it right now we're all talking about the collective grief we're talking about the trauma we're talking about the restrictions the lockdowns all of the things so it's impossible to not think about it all if we're going to put ourselves in conversations where it's constantly being echoed back to us anyway mm-hmm. um so that that was kind of how it played out for me and that's how I can no, no psychologist, but I can kind of recognize it a little bit in others as well. And at least now, because I've gone through this before for something totally differently, I, different, I can use the tools that I use then to get myself out of that situation mm. now. And I've been able to use them even before it got to this point, you know, even before we went into lockdown. Now, if I'd gone into lockdown for 200 and something days would I be the same as I am now would I be like yeah it's okay actually I didn't mind it probably not like <laughs> but, <laughs> probably not but I think I I love what you just shared then because it really speaks to what is happening down here mm-hmm. and it's interesting because my hairdresser when they opened up they sent everyone an email saying no conversations around Mm. vaccines lockdowns anything like that because we let's talk about like what you've got planned over summer Mm. or you know crappy tv shows that we all need to be on top of because it like they just they're like we we literally can't talk about this all day to all of our clients that they don't want to I'm like bloody love that boundary I love that it's the it's the whole bucket thing do your kids have buckets at school you know the analogy of putting into someone's bucket or taking away from it they they haven't done it at their school, but I've heard. Yeah, of it. you know the yeah. concept. I feel like yeah. it's the same. Like I don't want to put the like the COVID. <laughs> yeah, don't keep thing filling up the COVID bucket. Like I don't yes, <laughs> but this is the thing, right? But it's the context that we're we're living in, and it's yeah. hard. It's hard to escape. Yeah, but that was I shared a post on socials last week when I was like, okay. I'm kind of getting a bit jack of myself. I recognize I'm feeling funky. I recognize my energy levels aren't where I really want them to be. I recognize this is a strange time. Mm. And yet, where are my choices? And it really, a lot of it does, you know, the what we've experienced. I feel like I've had four years of in and out of being okay. Like normal mm. life, not normal life. With Nick being in recovery, that was like everything going well. Okay, we're cool. Oh my gosh, maybe we should plan something. This is mm. feeling really good. Okay, maybe we should let, let's invite people. Let's. Oh my god, let's you know, yeah, go somewhere, do something because I'd really start to let myself believe this period of sobriety was going to be a lasting thing, and then relapse. And you would have like you know, it was, and it was so he'd head head away into rehab, but it was always after a period of really intense like what's going on here? Mm. You know, he would try, he wouldn't work, things would be happening, it would all be escalating. And then I'd be left, he'd go and I'd be left to kind of keep the kids going and keep life, like keep the business rolling, keep myself attempting to be okay. Yeah. Uh, And because at the time I couldn't really share it with that many people, it was all, Mm. it, it was like, in those moments when I thought I didn't have anything left, I had to give to myself. Like rolling with life, but reeling, like rolling and reeling on the inside. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I got good at just really asking myself, okay, you know, what do we need? 
what do we need today? Like how, like what are we going to, and life became very present to just what's happening right now and how we get through this. And I think that served me in, in lockdown, but once again, it was the context of my life, but it was the years that I started to learn that we still have choice about what we think about, what we make things mean, um, whether we still look for joy amongst all of the the chaos or the grief or whatever yeah. that that you can be in different emotional states like you can hold different things over the course of a day and you know you don't have to get too attached to the context yeah meaning yeah. that life has to be really shit yeah and but it's not but it's uh, what i found was the length of time we were we were in lockdown, you know, especially this last one. It was like, and I spoke to Lisa Carpenter about this, was like, you know, you can have all the tools. You can be a mentally pretty strong person. Mm-hmm. And then there comes a time when either the tools just aren't working mm-hmm. because this is something you actually haven't experienced before and you need something else. Yeah. Or you just got no capacity to even freaking use them. Yeah. And I think I went through a stage of going, oh, I've just got to be really kind to myself right now that I might not be at the top of my game. Yeah. And I don't like that feeling. But but it's ex- it's exhausting. It's exhausting and trying to hold it. You can't all. make a decision when when you're completely depleted and exhausted. You, you just can't do that. And there were so many times when I was going through PTSD where and you, you kind of, again, it's with privilege because I have a, had a, and have a supportive husband and kids and I had my parents who lived around the corner. So I had help. But just getting to the point in the day of I can't do any more today. I can't think anymore. And I would literally take myself to bed. And I still do that sometimes now. Like some, we came, we went out on Saturday for lunch. It's our first time we've like had a lovely little road trip, like travel to the Hunter Valley, had lunch. It was great. Spent some time outside. It was awesome. Came home and at six o'clock, I said to Miles, like, I'm really tired. I've nearly fallen asleep in the car. I'm actually going to go to bed. And I went to bed at six and got up at 6.45 the next day just exhausted (laughs) exhausted and I keep saying to him like I feel like I'm coming down with something but it's just exhaustion you know mentally and and I recognize that now and thank I mean god bless him thankfully I can say to him like I'm done I'm going to bed I'm just gonna go and he's just like okay and he takes over I'm not too sure I'd say the same if it was him (laughs) Saying, you'd be like, you know what, at dinner time, just before dinner, forget this, I'm off to bed. <laughs> you'd be like, well, no, you can come yeah. back and do the dishes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you cleaned up after yourself? <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. We were actually just having this conversation on a Ready for Change Q&A call that someone was um, saying, you know, what do you do with the story that um, if you spend time doing something for yourself, like it's mm-hmm. just the guilt that comes in when you realise, oh, but I haven't done this and this and this and this and I really I can't rest or I can't take myself off for a lovely walk in the sun because mm. I've got to get things done for my family and all of that. And I don't have that anymore. I it's completely gone for me. I don't have that. <laughs> Isn't even it? it's, just, it's a practice. <laughs> and I and that's what, you know, I just hope that they listen to this. So I really do think as women we need to normalize um, that you get to take care of your body, that mm. no one who's experienced an extended period of, of lockdown is going to be unaffected. Mm. And to think that we can just bounce right into normal life uh, yeah. without a few bumps is, I mean, we're just, we're fooling ourselves. But if we're yeah. not even coming from the place of knowing that just as a norm, we should be able to give our beautiful bodies what they need because we're human beings and mm. we're not robots. I just feel like 
we need to like be doubling down and on the rest <laughs> on the rest like I'm like I don't want to hear any women saying they feel guilty for resting especially right now I know I know I don't hear it as much anymore but I still hear it for sure I hear others saying that and um see the thing is because I went through what I did no one has ever made me feel guilty for it so like isn't that mm. lucky like <laughs> strange I don't think, feeling but I don't know if the guilt comes from other people you know I don't I said to her you know no one loses when you feel great mm. so you feeling great is your job well and- I know I'm better the next the next day like oh, if yeah. I get a really good night's sleep then for days and days I'm I can I'm better than I want you know better for all the people who need me after, after then and it just it makes the biggest difference and I and it, it it's honestly it's a practice it was a oh, I wish if I could go back and not go through what I went through with cancer I definitely would but during that time of recovery and rest and recuperation I actually built some really strong habits that will now see me through for life and it like I've trained myself to be able to take the time to do things without feel, I don't feel an ounce of guilt. I really like, I mean, oh no, I really don't. <laughs> I'm <just> saying, I'm <laughs> even, mind, I don't. And my, and like, I've trained my, sounds awful to say I've trained, but my, my kids now know that like, if I'm in, if I'm in bed, if I'm having a lie down, or if I say to them, I need 30 minutes or I need, I'll, I'll be back at dinner time. Or when it, and let me just, I'm not having a good old lie down every day, but you know, when this happens, my kids know now, like we all know now that I'm I'm entitled to rest just as much as anyone else is. And, and so it works, but it takes that, it's that practice of the more you do things, the more normal it becomes to everybody. So let's and, just get started with it. Oh, <laughs> no, enough already. And because how can you hear your body if you're just constantly going, mm. you know, why people just get sick when they go on holidays or something because they finally stop and their body's like thank you we've been waiting for a moment to just move into healing yeah and now we're going to do that because you don't you literally never stop so we're always on and we can't do that oh uh, all the time but it's not like I do think it, it comes from you know there's a lot of different places it comes from I don't think the people around us necessarily make us feel guilty I think those of us who grew up with mums who never stopped and that was their, our conditioning was that martyr, like oh, everyone else's needs over mine is, is yes. just what we believe motherhood is. Like that's yes. many people's story of what a good mum is. Yeah. And that's I think, so yeah, and right now so much was expected of mums in like parents, but, you know, I mean, I interviewed Sam Sutherland, as you know, and she yeah. did the women at work. She did the how COVID is affecting working mums um, survey. And the result, I mean, you know, women were taking on more of the load and mm. now we're expected to like just kind of switch gears mm. and be productive at work and get kids out the door in time when they've been out of routine for a really yeah. long time. Yeah. I mean, it's a fucking lot. Yeah. And I just think like now really the time for that that guilt story around resting or, you know, being un- unable to acknowledge what your body actually needs and have a gentle, kind conversation with yourself about yeah. yourself. Yeah. Like it's over. Like we really need to be doing that. Oh, I completely agree. And it rest is so different for everyone, isn't it? For me, yes. it's just being still, still and having silence as, you mm. know, it's lovely if it's accompanied with a nap, <laughs> but it isn't always the case. And I think that that, you know, if if you can take that wherever you can take it for sure. Like, I feel for, I feel for the women who don't have the support that I yes. did. Who and and wait, like I don't know what the answer is to anyone else apart from to build it into your day or your week in the best way that you can, however you can. But to actually build it, build rest in, you know, work out what rest feels like to you and what the results of rest feels like, and how that's going to make a change for you, and to just find a way to build it, build it into the schedule, plan for it. You know what I'm like with my planner, like I plan or everything, I plan my rest time, everything is in there because that like, I need to honor that too the the fact that I need to do it and the fact that it's something that's really it's a priority for me as well yes 
and um and but it is a practice and the, the more you do it the more you realize how what the residual effects are and the more you'll do it afterwards you know yeah um and it could be five minutes it doesn't have to be like a 12-hour stretch like I randomly had the other day oh my gosh that's rare <laughs> that's rare and delicious very odd uh, it was really odd <laughs> yeah and so for someone like me who who doesn't have a partner living mm. here or anything like that. I, I just, I've built language around it for my kids. Yeah, You guys, it's an easy dinner tonight because I'm feeling tired today. Like yeah. I think we're all feeling tired. In fact, do you want to have this? Do you want us all to just snuggle up on the couch and eat this in the toy room? Yeah. And um, and they're like, yay. They love that. They, they love, love that so much. That reminds me, my daughter came home the other day and said, we went out again. I think it was the day after she said, um, I'm feeling a bit tired. So I think I'm going to go and lie down for a bit. And my first thought was, oh God, here we go. What have I started? And then my second thought was, that's bloody awesome. Like, good for you. Like, go and lie down. It's like, have a, knock yourself out, have a sleep if you want. Like, just how lovely that she just was using that language herself. Mm. Only eight, not quite knowing what it means, but partially, hopefully, knowing that, yeah, she wanted to go and have a rest and she was starting to get into that habit herself. Like, good. Oh, I, you know, we just said it on the, the, the Ready for Change call too. Like, would you want your daughter to end up like just slogging away, not knowing what matters to her or what makes her happy or never taking yeah. her foot off the accelerator and having a rest, you actually wouldn't want that for her. Mm-hmm. And the only way that that's not going to happen for her is if you model yes. what it looks like to be a woman who incorporates rest you know, and whatever self-care kind of means to you, but into your life, like she's yeah. watching and they, they pick up on it all. So oh, they really do. <laughs> yeah. But also really that do. that's the same as you with, if you had allowed that, um, that store, that fear to be driving you and you hadn't done mm. all of the work that you have done on yourself yeah. to, to switch that up, to recognize it for what it was, allow that period of grief, you know, recognize that your brain's working in different ways a little bit because of what you've been through, but then start to actively choose to mm. be more present and to choose different stories for your life. And, you know, the narrative started to change, mm. then you would be showing your kids that you need to be scared all the time yeah. of, oh, of what's talk about this a lot you know when because she's starting to she's older she's the eight year old and my son is six so she's starting to use language more about how she's feeling which I'm finding really interesting so she'll come back from school and say I'm feeling sad today or I'm feeling this today so I'll delve into you know why and and you know what's happened and what's been going on and if I can help with things and but we've started to use that language of well how do you want to feel and what are you thinking about at the moment and what would you like to think about instead and you know just keeping it really really simple Mm. not not telling her why or how this is happening or what's working but just even now I I find so much joy in being able to share these tools with her in Mm. such a simple basic way because it's the simple basic stuff that got me out of the PTSD stage I went into like if I told you the actual thing that I did I've told people and they're like okay <laughs> that didn't work like the, the way that I used to just change my thoughts instantly did I try to tell you like literally just counting oh. but not like in an OCD way um like I would literally my my I don't know about you but my place of having those scary thoughts is often in bed at night like it's just the mum thing isn't it yeah. even before yeah. being home. In bed at night is where everyone dies <laughs> in my head <laughs> and life is terrible. <laughs> and I would literally just lie in bed and I've got a plant next to me and I would I would count the leaves. I would literally count the leaves until my mind had changed to think about something else, which it does because counting leaves is really bloody boring. That so is... I'd literally describe the plant to myself. I'd say, there's a, there's a plant. It's got, uh, it's green. It's five different shades of green. It's got one leaf, two, three, four, five. And I don't know what I'd get to and I'd change my thoughts about something else probably actually this is boring I'm hungry and I'll go to the kitchen you know (laughs) anything else and it's it's literally something as basic as that would be the thing that I'd be able to use to switch my thoughts and it works I don't use it now because I don't need to but it worked every time to the point where I would recognize 
thinking something that I didn't want to, feeling something I didn't want to, and then just switching it to something else. Because when you say to someone, you know, like when you want to change your thoughts, just think of something else. Like, all right, that's not actually enough. Mm. <laughs> like, so to me, that was something, you know, how practical I am. I just needed something mm. practical to be able to do differently. And yeah. That's what I'm teaching her to do as well. Not count oh. leaves. She'd probably think I was a bit of a strange mum, but something else to switch. Well, <laughs> I, I I think it's it's a super powerful tool. I hear my middle child teach her younger sister about this oh, in bed that. at night sometimes because I'm always, you know, but I made a, I mean, you know, when you look back and you just think that was a mum mistake. I didn't realise I was making the time, but now it's biting me on the ass because I would. All the time. <laughs> if, they, if they were um, during lockdown um, and, you know, my youngest started to, she had a, two panic attacks. It was awful. Mm. But anyway, nighttime sort of got a bit, has gotten a bit strange. And, um, and one of the things that I started to talk to the girls about because they were both, you know, worried at different times because they and they share a room was like, okay, how about maybe it will be more fun to think about the shopping spree mm. <laughs> that we can have because they were they miss the shops. Like the shops is like the most fun thing for them. The shops <laughs> is like my worst place. But going to the shops. And like, how much even, you enjoy shopping. <laughs> yeah, I hate shopping. And um, but they love it. It's like they're yeah. just sort of hitting that age where it's like so I would say you can buy. So once we finish lockdown, you can buy one piece of clothing. Mm-hmm. No, I would say you could buy one toy, one outfit. So that's like a top and a bottom and then something something random. And then I was like something <laughs> random that you like. So your job is to think about those things and tell me in the morning. And I wonder if it's changed yeah. since last time. They need to be directed to yeah. the different thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, and also they need to know that they're consciously doing that. So that's that's the bit that we, we you're probably adding that without realizing yes. as well. Like we are going to choose to change our thoughts. You so it's can not choose. just yeah. yeah, it's not just, oh, don't think of the scary thing, think of this instead. Mm. Um it's it's like, no, the scary thing might still be there, but yep, let's yep. choose to think about this instead. What you'll yep, probably yep. find is that you don't want to think about the scary thing anymore, or it's not that scary when you come back to it or yeah. it, isn't it powerful though with them? It's so it's so powerful, but it's never to minimize what they're worried about. Yeah. It's just like once we've talked about it. And once we've realized that it is time to go to sleep, but sometimes yeah. those thoughts keep creeping in, we need to give our brain something else to focus on oh, is, yeah. what, is what I sort of say to I them. So what, what would be the most fun thing to think about right now? And, and I love so, that they do it with each other. Oh, I know. It's very cute. I know. And yeah, but uh, yeah, but the thing is that as adults, we've got that choice too. So I love mm-hmm. that you found that, but I, I don't think we do. I think we kind of take it for granted that we just have to get into bed and ruminate and we mm. have to worry and we have to think about all the bad things that could happen or, yeah. you know, berate ourselves for what we did or didn't do, especially in those quiet times. But we tell yeah. ourselves it's a mum thing or it's the it's, burden of motherhood, yes. it's the burden of getting older, it's what we do. And like you say, it's because partially because we've had it modelled to us from other people and even even on the TV, like, you know, it's just the way things are shown to us that it's a normal part of life. And yet, for sure, our worries get bigger as we get older and there are more of them and they get more depressing and more morbid in many ways. Um, but at the same time, we, we can still choose to think differently and we can still choose to react differently. Um, but I'm I'm so conscious of that as well and, and feeling myself going back into those times every now and again and, and knowing, you know, knowing that I can pull myself out. And the fact that, again, it's a practice, the more you practice changing your thoughts yep. to something else, yep. the more it's easy, you know, easier to yep. do it and the more it becomes a habit that you don't have to think about. Yeah. And for me, the... Um, I'm worried about going back into lockdown and yet I can really make the most of today mm. or um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, something or, you know, this could happen, but today the sun mm-hmm. is shining. The and whole one I day think, at a time. Yes, just, just bring it back to the gold. present moment and just see yeah. what's here right now because yeah. I started to realise that there is this underlying, like, 
my heart starts to beat a little bit faster. Anxiety about, you know, because for us, if they're if the kids are a close contact at school, then they come home and they quarantine. We quarantined for fourteen days. Like yeah, we literally yeah. can't leave our house, and that thought was is petrifying but Mm. what am I going to do like really I can't control it so Mm. there's nothing that I can do or can't do apart from keep them home so they don't have that situation which is yeah in which case they're home anyway so yeah so (laughs) yeah I just got to the point where I'm like oh this is really keeping me quite low vibe and so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get back into what I can do and I was the same in PTSD, the whole, it's going to come back, it's going to come back, it's going to come back, the whole going over, over and over all the time. And then I thought, you know, I could get, I could sound so flippant, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow or today, but I'm not fixated on a random bus running me down. So let's not fixate on this either. And so that was at the beginning of me realizing that I could change things. But what I was the piece I was missing is, well, if I'm not going to fixate on that, what am I going to do instead? So that was when (laughs) it leaves. So that was when I was like, just don't think of anything, which obviously doesn't work. The more you try and think of nothing, the more you think of your fears. So that was the missing piece that I needed of think of this instead, change your mind to think of something else instead that you do want. What do I want? What do I want? How do I want to feel? Yeah. I'm so glad we chatted. Me I'm too. so glad you requested this chat. I'll probably request to come back on again. Oh, <laughs> without a doubt. Happy New Year. Now, this conversation is going to be about Outlander and why you couldn't get past episode five, Lisa, or whatever it is I got. See, if you'd got to episode seven, your life would be very different. No, I went straight to episode seven because you told me that everything, like it's the wedding. you did the romantic build-up. I still, I just just couldn't get invested in. It's a practice. (laughs) It's a practice. If you cared, Lisa. You're not displaying the value of commitment. <laughs> this is an issue within yourself. This is this believe. is my story about not being a follow thrower. What I don't understand is all the time you had in lockdown, you didn't try harder without. <laughs> That's what I don't. I don't feel like you're helping yourself, and you need to add it to your toolkit because Outlander got me out of of chemo upsetness <laughs> wow it that's saved good. my love life and I know it saved hundreds of other women's love life it's a you know not that there was anything too bad but after chemo that was a little bit hard going for a bit but it's just so good anyway we won't talk about Outlander too <laughs> no you just talk me my social episode okay all right <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with thank us you for having me thank you Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode.